This CNBC podcast is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. There's no ROI on TMI. That's why TD Ameritrade created a learning experience that will actually learn with you. Curated from their vast library of exclusive content, it customizes to fit your investing goals, interests, and needs, so you get exactly the information you need and none of the information you don't. Get started at tdameritrade.com education. Once again, that's tdameritrade.com education. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to help you not lose too much money here. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me, 1-800-743-CBC, or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Sell in May because the market's too high? Come on, I mean, that may not rhyme, but it's a lot more compelling than sell in May and go away. A little ditty I've hated since the first time I heard many years ago, and then sat out a terrific summer rally. Because of a rhyme. Sell in May and go away is suboptimal advice, people. But this May, it just so happens, the markets run too much versus the fundamentals which is one reason we got skewered today. Dow plunging 622 points. The S&P losing 2.8%. And the NASDAQ nosediving 3.20% off the rails. Now, after a tumultuous week that ended in a bombshell of a decline after President Trump talked about the possibility of retaliating against China for not doing enough to stop the coronavirus, I don't love the timing here. But if there's one thing we've learned, it's that you need to take the president seriously when he threatens to take action against China, because he's done it whenever he said it. And that's bad news for the stock market. Let me put it this way. In 2018 and 2019, we went after the People's Republic with both barrels. Uh, We were in a position of strength, strong GDP growth, incredible job market. Now we're in a position of weakness. 30 million people have lost their jobs. Recession unavoidable. Really not the time for a trade war, something Larry Kudlow, the president's chief economic advisor, seemed to agree with me. Seemed to agree with me when I interviewed him on Squawk on the Street this morning. The market sure didn't. That fear combined with the already overbought state of the market and the obvious distress in the economy has me wondering if there might be more downside next week. Now, I'm not predicting a retest of the March March lows. Uh, That would be too harsh. We're not going to crash again. But I think this market could use a couple more down days like today to cool itself off. I wish that they wouldn't be so vicious. With that in mind, what is next week's game plan? All right. Well, first, Tyson Foods kicks things off on Monday. Not long ago, everything was coming up roses for these guys. We had a China deal. Thanks to African swine fever, China was desperate for Tyson's meat. What could go wrong? Well, it turns out a lot. The pandemic has slowed sales all over the globe. Meanwhile, the company's got a bunch of COVID outbreaks at its factories. These would be front-page stories of OSHA was actually doing its job. We own Tyson uh, for the Travel Trust, and I am furious at myself for not giving it boot at high, the boot at higher levels. I just didn't do a good job, frankly. Uh, I don't want you in it. I don't want you in my... The house of pain. After the close, Skyworks Solutions reports... This chipmaker is one of the few pure plays in the coming of 5G wireless, which is inevitable. 
Every time the stock gets slammed like it was today, I think it's a buying opportunity. I didn't hear anything out of the Apple call last night. It's just there was a slowdown in handsets. That's good news for Skyworks, too. Next up, when Dr. Anthony Fauci talk, uh, talked uh, about the, the good news about Gilead's remdesivir as a treatment for COVID-19, he talked about it as the first tool in an otherwise empty toolbox. He said it could be part of a cocktail of drugs that could potentially turn the tide. What else might be in that cocktail? Well, Regeneron's working on a monoclonal antibody drug. We're going to learn more about that when Regeneron reports on Tuesday. After the close, we have the two very challenged companies, uh, two of the most challenged companies in the market, Disney and Occidental. I think Disney's meeting the challenge. Occidental, not so much. Think about it. Disney's got cruise ships. It's got theme parks. It's got movies. All pretty much closed. It owns a sports channel, ESPN, where there ain't no live sports. Uh, but it also has Disney Plus, which is a fabulous service when you're stuck at home. Thank heavens they developed that, huh? I think the parks may be able to open so- sometime this year. Although, remember, crowds are not really acceptable when you're trying to do social distancing. Uh, and, and still, you got a pretty hideous stock. But that said, Disney is an iconic brand. So I'd say if you own it, I hold it. If you want to buy it, I wait until after the quarter. As for Occidental, I think you got to take advantage of the fact that Warren Buffett's got his uh, uh, annual meeting. He might say something good about it and sell it on Monday. I mean, that meeting should be pretty somber. We don't have to listen to what Becky Quick says she's going out there. Monday may be your best chance to get out of what I think was at once great oil company that paid way too much for a company called Anadarko, which my travel trust owned. Unlike Tyson, it was good. And, uh, well, didn't live happily ever after. Wednesday starts with CVS. Now, I think this company is the best fuel for the health of America, thanks to the acquisition of Aetna. It's also a higher-yielding stock. It's down 20% for the year. might be worth buying ahead of the quarter if you can get it in the mid-50s because it's sold off here. Trust owns it. It's been okay. Not great. Not bad. All right. Now, how about this? Remember, Jim? Right now, autos are the weakest part of the economy, aside from travel and leisure. I know some people are just itching to buy a car company. Why? Because public transit's gotten a lot more risky. Don't do it. This is not the time for auto exposure. Here's one that I like. It's come down a lot. Waste management, 18 points from its high. Garbage company does need more construction to make its numbers. A little wary. Let's see what they say. And now and now that Elon Musk has slapped a sell rating on Tesla via tweet, well, someone please delete his account. The hottest stock in this market is Shopify, which helps small businesses set up online. Given what we know about layoffs, quarantines, and shopping, I'm betting Shopify is an incredible quarter. The stock has run up dramatically. I think it's worth the risk. We all want to know how Moderna's coronavirus vaccine is coming along. Hopefully, they can give us a read-through when they report on Thursday. So far, they've been pretty tight-lipped about phase one. They come on. I saw them on this morning, but I'd like to know more. Uh, we also hear from Bristol Myers, which is one of my favorite stocks on Earth, especially now that it's combined with Celgene. I buy some both before and some after. They've got some new drugs to talk about. Finally, on Friday, we get results from Ventas. Now, this real estate investment trust company has been struggling because nursing homes represent a huge chunk of its business, and it's tough to run a nursing home during a pandemic that's particularly vicious to the elderly. Ventas yields 10%. Oh, normally I'd like that, but wait a second. Now it's starting to feel like a red flag to me. Let's see what CEO Deb Kafaro has to say about whether the payout's sustainable. The bottom line, last night I told you the market had come up too far too fast. Even after today's decline, I, we're still overbought. I really do believe it's worth waiting for the market to go lower to do any buying, unless we got some incredible vaccine news over the weekend, and I don't think we're going to get that. The market got ahead of itself. 
Uh, that was an amazing April. Remember, it was the best since 1987. So now we're having a curb your enthusiasm moment. So please be careful out there. Let's go to Narendra in Connecticut. Narendra. How are you? All right. How about you? Good, good, Jim. Thanks for giving me the opportunity here. Uh, I was wondering about your view on community banks and specifically NYCB, New York Community Bank. They, they announced earnings a couple of days ago and had a very strong quarter, uh, but they're down to about 10 bucks. They right. have a 6% yield, and given their exposure to the New York real estate market, I was wondering whether you think they could sustain their performance. No, I think it, if I own that stock, I would sell that stock. I mean, I don't care about yield when it comes to financials. I, I care about safety right now, uh, and I just don't trust the financials. Even the best are going down and have just been obliterated. Larry in Florida. Larry. Larry. You're coming up. To you with a sunny, coming to you with a sunny booyah. All right, Larry, what's up? I called today to ask about a household name, an institution, one that's performing well during these turbulent times. So per, post-earnings, it exceeded analysts' expectations. And after considering their moves to protect margins against headwinds and with apparently ample liquidity, what are your thoughts on Whirlpool for the upcoming year? Well, it's, look, it's down 25, almost 25% for the year. Yields for... Uh, but I'm not crazy about it. Uh, in a recession, you don't buy uh, expensive appliances. And they've got the, the ones where they make the most money on are the expensive ones. So I'm going to have to say no to that one. I, they, they did acquit themselves well. And it was a good interview yesterday on CBC. All right. Even after today's decline, this market is too high. So I, I want you to be uh, exercise caution. On May Monday tonight, Clorox posted its biggest rise in quarterly sales in a decade, proving just how popular its cleaning products are during the coronavirus pandemic. You know that. So do I. I'm getting the latest from the CEO. Then cosmetics companies are dealing with the fall from the closure of department stores, airport duty-free shops, and beauty parlors because of COVID-19 lockdowns. What's Estee Lauder signaling? Wow, that's an exclusive. They don't do TV. And Seattle Genetics just jumped 8% after earnings and some stunning sales. This may be the real biotech that they are doing so well with their anti-cancer franchise. We're going to sit down with the CEO, break down the report. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com. Or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. This CNBC podcast is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. Investing isn't one size fits all. Every investor has a unique style. That's why TD Ameritrade offers two different mobile apps. There's TD Ameritrade Mobile, which lets you manage your portfolio with streamlined simplicity. Or Thinkorswim Mobile, which gives you tools you need for more advanced trades and in-depth analysis. Visit tdameritrade.com apps to find the one that's right for you. Once again, that's tdameritrade.com apps. Last time I told you we needed to get a bit more defensive because many of the themes that propelled us higher last month, you remember that was a huge month, are played out. So what works if May ends up looking more like March than like April? Well, how about Clorox? Probably the most uh, trusted consumer package name in the business. 
It's a kingpin, a classic recession-proof stock. Also has a fabulous play on the pandemic. If you want to stay healthy, you need to clean and disinfect. You need Clorox. So it's no wonder when the company reported this morning delivered a spectacular quarter. Even with everyone expecting strong numbers, Clorox did even better, delivering an amazing 22-cent earnings beat off of a $1.67 basis, substantially higher than expected sales, up 15% year-over-year. Best of all, management dramatically raised its full-year forecast. Rather than a small earnings decline, they're looking at a 6 to 9% increase, and that is very big. Stock rallied 3.36% today on a horrendous day. And I, I, you know, I think it's owned by my travel trust. It's got a lot more room to run. But do not take it from me. Let's check in with Ben O'Dour, the chairman CEO of Clorox, find out more about his quarter and where the company's headed. Ben, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks for having me back, Jim. All right, so Ben, I want to start out by uh, saluting you and thanking you. I know that you could have charged much more. I know that you could have directed this to consumers. I know that you actually did not make nearly as much as you could have, because as anyone who knows who goes on to Amazon, your products are prioritized for organizations on the front lines responding to COVID-19. That's up there. Everybody knows who goes to Amazon because I know our viewers went. So thank you. Thank you for doing something that the capitalists haven't done for many years in this country. Well, thank you for recognizing uh, the 8,800 people of Clorox, Jim. And I would, if I may, uh, love to start just by saying that our hearts go out to everybody who has been uh, impacted by COVID-19. And our thanks go out to everybody on the front lines for their heroic work. And might I uh, include our own production associates uh, who, uh, through their passion, dedication and leadership, made what is a great quarter possible. And what I'm mostly proud of is that it's a great uh, quarter, but delivered the right way. Um, our core value is doing the right thing, and this is where our core value really comes through. And we've been very clear uh, right from the beginning that our priorities are, number one, to keep our employees safe and well. Number two, to make as many products as possible to meet uh, consumers' demand. And number three, to give back to communities in need. And we have given back about $14 million now uh, uh, with focus on caregivers uh, because that's where our money right now is needed the most. All right. So I've got in my hands, um, I guess, about the most important product in our country right now. I have the Clorox disinfecting wipes, which I carry in a bag everywhere I go. I'm never without them. I think it's foolish to be without them uh, because they kill 99.9 percent of bacteria. Uh, but I have to ask you, because I'm trying to figure out how your business works. You know that we may need be in this pandemic for two years. If you were to have unlimited capital, could you put up unlimited number of plants and and make it so we all have this? Or are there gating factors that make it so you can't ever meet worldwide demand, no matter what, for what I'm carrying? I think we're in uncharted territory, all of us who are now in spaces that see this unprecedented demand. We saw demand surge in some of our disinfecting categories by 500 percent. And no supply chain in the packaged goods industry is currently set up that way. But I'm very, very proud of our production associates. As I mentioned, we have churned out 40 million disinfecting products more this last quarter than in the previous year quarter uh, for an output increase of 40%. And we've done that by simplifying our supply chain with great partnership with uh, uh, the many retailers that uh, we serve we have done this by accessing third-party supply. And, you know, we still f- uh, fell short, but we're making uh, an enormous amount of progress 
to continue to bring capacity online. We're investing in future capacities so that we're you know, better equipped uh, to meet the demand in future surges, hopefully, and we expect to be in a much better shape with substantial improvements this summer. Uh, Clorox is not necessarily known for its an international footprint, but its brand is trusted worldwide. Uh, could you, given the fact that this is a worldwide pandemic, could you put a plant in every continent? We, it's certainly a priority for us to look at uh, the disinfecting space uh, going forward. I think, uh, and many people think, and data supports that, that we're going to see disinfecting products on consumers' minds in more pronounced ways than in the past for a very long time. So that gives us an opportunity to serve more consumers. In our international business, which accounts for about 15% of company sales, more than 50% of our uh, revenue comes from disinfecting products, which is why we saw a 22% uh, currency neutral sales increase uh, on the international business with uh, a a lot of uh, great work by our associates to uh, meet consumers around the world. And we think there is a clear opportunity for us to think about how we can serve uh, more consumers uh, by adding capacity and investing in that. And we have plenty of room to invest in that and will do that. And by marketing our products in responsible ways as a way to help uh, shoppers around the world keep themselves and their families safe. So what do you do when the uh, the person who is in charge of trash bags comes to you or the person who's in charge of charcoal comes to you and says, look, I know you've got this winner, but I need to be get supported, too. I mean, I've got great products. One of my competitors just took a, a, a big account from me. Do you just say, look, we've got a, a product that you can't meet demand and everything else is just on hold or do you have to support everything? No good idea gets rejected at Clorox, and we have plenty of good ideas, which is why we saw substantial growth actually also in our non-disinfecting business. All four reporting segments, uh, the cleaning segment being one of them, which is where disinfecting products sit, all four segments grew this last quarter. And it's because uh, we saw a lot of momentum behind our core business as well beyond the pandemic, and we invest in that. Uh, I hear a lot about companies investing less in their brands uh, these days. Uh, the Clorox company will invest $50 million more in advertising sales promotion in the back half of our fiscal year because we believe that this is a time to serve as many consumers as possible, not just with disinfecting products, but also as people grill more as they stay home. They right. use more Hidden Valley as they stay home. They use more Glad trash bags as they stay home. So there's plenty of uh, optimism for us in our company and plenty of opportunities to invest in good ideas. Are you able to uh, reposition or uh, fix? I know because you can't be all that happy with uh, the rainbow light. Uh, also, renew life. There are things that you have to do. I think these are great products. I use more supplements than I ever have in my whole life because of this. And I saw I am a little confused about why this stuff isn't blowing <laughs> the doors off. I use it. I, I guess maybe I'm the only guy sometimes when I read it. I feel like it feels that this stuff makes me help me out to deal with this pandemic. No, the, you are not alone. I myself use a lot more uh, vitamins, minerals and supplements as well, in particular uh, supplements that boost uh, the immune system. And we have many of them with uh, several of our brands, including Calm and Rainbow Light, are actually growing uh, very strongly. For the okay. quarter, we had a temporary displacement because we had a, a COVID-19 related worker shortage with one of our fulfillment oh, centers. Okay. 
but uh, you know fundamentally it's a, a, a healthy business and uh, in March in fact uh, we had all-time uh, record demand from our customers we just couldn't fulfill it uh, as a result of an issue that uh, you know is a, a pretty broad scale across right. the industry where uh, COVID cases uh, uh, create temporary uh, issues but this is a category that we like in a very strong uh, long-term growth runway for the Clorox company for years to come. All right. Well, look, thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for your stewardship of a great American company and for your decision to help many more people and uh, not be the way I've seen too many CEOs in my lifetime. Ben Adore, Chairman and CEO of Clorox. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Jim. Well, look, I own it. I own it. Don't trade this. Everybody's back after the break. This CNBC podcast is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. In unprecedented times, access to the right information can help you make better informed investing decisions. That's why TD Ameritrade is committed to providing a range of relevant educational content, like timely articles, informative webcasts, and access to daily live market news, so you can stay on the path to becoming a smarter investor. Learn more at tdameritrade.com slash market hub. TD Ameritrade, where smart investors get smarter. How's the best-run cosmetics company on Earth coping with the quarantine? That's Estee Lauder, a stock that's rebounded substantially from its March lows after getting knocked down during the crash. And when the company reported this morning, I think it justified the rebound, although you wouldn't know it from the stock's pullback today. Remember how ugly the market was today. Estee Lauder posted a substantial top and bottom line beat, even as management wasn't able to issue guidance for the next quarter. But we care more about their commentary, which is why I was so thrilled to speak with Fabrizio Freda. Fabrizio is Estee Lauder's phenomenal president and CEO. First time he's been on with us. Take a look. Mr. Freda, welcome to Mad Money. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. How are you? Uh, fortunately, good. And you, sir? Very good. Thank you. All right. That's what we want. Okay, so tell me, how is it possible that you had a gigantic upside surprise when people are sheltering in place at home, no one is traveling, and we might be in the biggest recession in 100 years? <laughs> because, because, frankly, we have an amazing consumer demand, and we are in business where consumer demand is driving, and the consumers find a way to get the products they want. And in our case, while we were definitely in a recessionary environment, in a very difficult health situation, and most of us closing our homes with stores closed around the world, the consumer found a way to buy our products online more than usual, found a way to buy our products in anything that was opened around the world. And so we could, uh, we could serve them in the best possible way also during that crisis. All right. Now, you are a great teacher, sir. And I need you to teach me what drives people for, to, to have makeup in skincare when they're not going anywhere, because clearly there's more to it than just how you look in the mirror. Yeah, no, first of all, in this period, consumers around the world are buying more skincare. Skincare 
is driving uh, as a category. And, and as you can understand, people are more speaking, now think about their wellness. Uh, they, they want to pamper themselves. They also need some pleasant moments for themselves. Skin care fits that very well. On top of benefits to keep your skin uh, moisturized, hydrated, and uh, many other good things that the skin care products can perform even when people are locked in their homes. Well, this uh, is... At the same time, Go ahead, sir. At the same time you, you just need to imagine that we are all working with uh, different technologies like Zoom or Skype, etc., and, um, and many people want to look okay in these video interactions. So there is still a very important use of makeup also for that situation. Oh, that's brilliant. I hadn't even thought about it. When I do my boozy brunch with my kids, they dress up. Now, let me ask you about China. There was a moment, obviously, uh, China's ahead of us uh, in this illness. And there was a part of this quarter where uh, China basically reopened. How did China do once it reopened? Uh, very well. Very well. I have to say the Chinese consumer um, has, a very, has a big sense of positive, positiveness. They, they need some positive feeling. So they've gone soon back into consumption um, in, a, in a very strong way. Also in China, like in any other part of the world where we see the recovery start, the recovery starts from online. So the way the consumer access the product is first online. In that case, Kimol, Alibaba are doing really, really well. Uh, and then the brick and mortar keeps growing. As soon the consumer feels safer, it feels that the level of retail is there, and feels that he also have the, the, the reason for going back to the source, they do go back to the source, and we have seen this also in China. So in China, the recovery has been pretty fast. And the, the, last, the last thing I want you to know is that, you know, during the recovery phase, uh, people go back to more regular consumption, but also people stop back in their homes. In the homes of people, there are 12 brands of beauty, or in the case of Asia, even more, 14, 15, that are down, people got less, less brands home, so now they are restocking. If you add to this also the restocking of retailers, uh, is the combination of positive factors make the recovery uh, faster than what we probably people would. Okay. Uh, how historically has your business done in a recession? We usually think about the lipstick, that people buy lipstick even in a recession. Is it, is it true or is it a wives' tale? No, it's, it's true. There is the concept of the, um, basically, lipsticks are an affordable luxury that even in tough moments, people want to do. You know, when you need to renounce to many things, in the case of the current experience, also we are all locked down in our homes for a period. And um, so you, you want to indulge with simple, affordable things. So uh, luxury cosmetics, luxury beauty is part of these simple, affordable things that people want to indulge that, even to keep going with their mental peace of mind and with their uh, positive attitude. So we see that. We are historically during recession, um, our business has been pretty resilient. Obviously, uh, during the middle of the recession, there is a, the, the, the growth goes down, or there is in some cases 
even a um, down a little people going down in consumption, but immediately as the recovery starts, the luxury sector is going faster in beauty than uh, than before, and and so the recovery is the most important period. And you have some uh, new products that have uh, had some rather great success, and also have your hero lines that are uh, seem to shine even during tougher times. Yeah, what we call hero lines means uh, our products, which have the best loyalty and the higher repurchase rates. These products do very, very well in these periods because, as you can imagine, when people are in a situation with less comfort, they want to have the product they love with them. That's their priority. And even when people go back to a more normalized life, the first thing they want to normalize is their habits. And so they start from the regular product, the product they're loyal, and then they go into new discoveries. So we are seeing in this moment that uh, one of our strengths, which is having a lot of products which are really performing super high quality with a lot of people loyalty, those products come back faster, and we are enjoying that. Now, you're uh, very much uh, a person committed to a lot of different good things, good causes. I understand that you've uh, used the considerable power of of Estee Lauder to be able to do some things uh, to help the frontline people who are uh, so in need of different sanitizing and uh, uh, personal equipment to be able to do okay. Yeah, absolutely. We, We have done many things. First of all, we took care of our employees. We have created an internal medical advisor group to take care of our employees globally, everywhere, in every country, and to take them through this crisis, both in terms of supporting them in case of problem and supporting the, uh, the way to work and to make sure that our way of working is reflecting the environment in which we are living. And then we are making donations to support all the people which are acting against this virus and supporting all the actions in every aspect of it. But what you are referring to is also very important. We found the way to produce hand sanitizers. And now we are producing hand sanitizers in Melbourne, New York. We are producing in Belgium and in the UK. And we are producing a million hand sanitizers that we are devoting to uh, the doctors, uh, to the hospitals, to the people which are in need, and to our employees to help them protect themselves during the crisis. Well, you're... On top of... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And I, no, last thing I want to say that we have just this week launched also a new uh, idea, which is a fund to protect our employees globally that have been affected by the virus themselves or in their families or in their jobs. And we have started with $10 million, and we have asked everyone to contribute, the company, the loader family, every employees, management. We are all contributing to create an internal fund to support the employees around the world. That just started. Well, it's a great family company, and you're a terrific steward of it. Fabrizio Freda, president and CEO of Estee Lauder. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Pleasure to be with you. I want to 
hideous day for the averages. Let's focus on one of the rare winners, Seattle Genetics, with a stock that's up nearly 30% for this year, including a 6% gain today. Here's a biotech company with a platform that uses antibodies to seek out and destroy cancer cells without causing a ton of collateral damage to the rest of your body. So many of these drugs do. Their first product, Adcetris, is a lymphoma treatment that was up 22% in sales in the latest quarter. But the big thing here is their two new therapies, Padsev for bladder cancer and Tukaiza, which is part of a cocktail for certain types of breast cancer. We know cocktail from what, doc, what Dr. Fauci has been talking about to go against COVID. Now, Seattle Genetics reported yesterday morning and didn't get much fanfare, but the stock roared today because on further view, Padsev is blowing up. I mean, this drug was expected to do $8 million in sales. It just did closer to $35 million. That's very encouraging. This is exactly the kind of stock that works during a recession. It's been an amazing stock for a long time now. So let's take a closer look with Dr. Clay Seagal. He is the president, chairman, CEO of Seattle Genetics. But more about the quarter and the company's profits. Dr. Seagal, welcome back to Man Money. Thank you, Jim. Very happy to be on your show. Uh, so, Dr. Scott, how is it possible that a drug that people, I saw some estimates might be 7 million, some be 8 million, did 35 million? And what does that bode for what this drug could do? Well, PADSEV is a drug for uh, metastatic bladder cancer. We, it got approved right at the end of last year. So this is really the first full quarter of sales. And, uh, you know, we'll move from here and, and, and continue uh, selling it, but providing it to patients really in need with metastatic bladder cancer, which is a really bad prognosis. And the drug we have here is uh, very active and uh, doctors are embracing it and it's helping patients. Well, it, there really is. I never thought there was anything for bladder cancer. It's just this you know, drug, there, right? There, there's some uh, therapies that have been uh, used for years, and they're uh, different chemotherapies and and some immune therapies. But it's a really bad disease. Right. And uh, it, once it's metastatic, uh, you know, most patients succumb to the disease within five years, Jim. It's a very short time horizon for patients. And we really like our drug PADSEV. It's really helping patients. So do, is the word out worldwide? I mean, it seems like that's pretty early. If, you, if people thought it was 8 million to 35, it must have spread like wildfire throughout the medical community. This is the drug you use. Well, we're just approved in the United States right now. We were approved about three months ahead of the action date that the FDA set for us. They worked very closely, closely with us. We had breakthrough designation. Uh, you know, but we're uh, trying to finish up a study that we'll use to submit around the globe. It's a really big global study. Uh, we also have studies in frontline and newly diagnosed. Our first approval is in patients with relapse disease who have gotten the old therapies. Right. But uh, this drug is very active and uh, we're using it in a regimen in first diagnosis where we've already come up with some data that was quite frankly, a spectacular. But that was in a small data set. Now we have to go and prove it in bigger data sets. So we have two trials running. One is a little smaller, one's bigger. Uh, one is uh, focused on the United States, one's global, to try to get it to frontline approval and get it out there to change the life history of patients with bladder cancer. And so uh, is there any expectation for, uh, is it maintenance? Can someone live, live for a long time, do you think, with bladder cancer? <clears throat> Well, we haven't yet uh, gotten full data set on overall survival, so I don't want right. to speak before we have our data. 
But uh, it is an exciting prospect, and it's something we will be certainly looking for. And with the very high response rate that uh, we have, uh, when we looked at the first-line patients, we have in a in a regimen with a drug called Keytruda plus Pancep, we had a 73% objective response rate, which is way above what any, anything's ever been seen in this. And after a year, we did not hit our median time for even progression. So it looks like if the data are followed and done in a bigger trial, perhaps we'll have the kind of data you're looking for. But I don't want to speak until we have right. the data. But we're very excited about this drug. And is Merck uh, a good partner in Keytruda? You know, Merck is a good partner. And we, this drug is partnered uh, on a global basis with Astellas. Right. And, uh, you know, we're heading up more of the Americas and they're heading up the rest of the world. But we work very closely with Astellas. Merck is contributing to the uh, to the trial that's using Keytruda with Padsef. And uh, we're really excited to have uh, all three companies participating in this uh, global uh, trial. Now, how about the two Kaiser? That was just just now. It's too early, I know. But what is your feeling for that drug? Well, Tukaiza is just a great drug. That was approved four months ahead of the FDA action date and approved in, in a way where we have a really good label. And the label allows doctors to write prescription, and it really can help a lot of patients. Now, with Tukaiza, we do have survival data, and we have data in patients that have brain metastasis. Now, in breast cancer, and we're focused on HER2-positive breast cancer, uh, about half the patients can develop brain metastasis as their disease progresses. And often you can die from the brain metastasis, not the original diagnosis of the the tumor in the breast region. And so it is really important to treat patients uh, in this regard. And our data with overall survival was just stunning. And FDA, uh, we worked with them and got this approved. We've already submitted uh, to the European Medicines Agency. And through something called Project Orbis, we're nearing gaining approval in uh, territories such as Switzerland and uh, Singapore and Australia and Canada. So uh, Tukaiza is going to become a global drug really soon and help a lot of patients with brain uh, or breast breast cancer and those with brain metastasis. This is remarkable. I mean, to have not just one, but two within such a short period of time. Congratulations to you. This is just an incredible, incredible thing at Seattle Genetics. Well, it's been four, uh, four months since uh, our last approval, and I brought my team together, and I said, so in four months, are we going to have another drug? And I got a lot of quiet faces, and then I started to laugh. I was, wow. uh, you know, we can't make a drug every four months, but I tested my team. I am lucky. I am fortunate that we have a great team. And, Jim, we are a company that focuses on science first. Right. We believe in our science. We have a great passion for can- treating cancer patients, and we work really hard. Well, look, uh, congratulations. These are incredible numbers. And for the patients, it's just such great news. Clay Segal, he's the president, chairman, CEO of Seattle Genetics. Look, I got to tell you guys, this is a much better story than uh, I had thought of even a year ago. It, it, it's actually quite remarkable. Man, money's back in for the break. It is time. It's time for the Lightroom and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski dad Time for the lightning round. Of source, Fred in Wyoming. Fred. Yes, Jim. Booyah from Jackson Hole, big boy. How you living? Well, you got the edge on me. I'm doing okay. How about you? Oh, man. Just living the dream, my friend. Living the dream. All right. That's better hey, than uh, me. 
Hey, it seemed like the wheels were coming off the train last fall. Now, I, I love their burgers, I love their shakes, but Shake Shack, you know, what I, the Well, they report next there. week. I was none too happy they submitted for that PPP. I mean, uh, that was just, I was just none too happy. Let's see what they have to say for themselves. Let's go to Eric in New York. Eric! Oh, yeah, Jimmy Chill. How you doing? Oh, today? the chill man's good. How about you? Doing good, doing good. So I got a question. Um, I'm 24 years old. I have 422 shares of Virgin Galactic in a Roth IRA. Should I hold? Should I sell? No, you got the right time frame, believe me. I mean, this is the ultimate spec on what could go right in the future involving space travel. And why not? Why not own some? To me, it's overvalued. Uh, I think the time frame may take as long as you mentioned. Uh, but if you want to, you believe in space travel and you believe in this guy, then you should own it. Let's go to Bill in Georgia. Bill. Yes, Jim. How are you? I am good, Bill. How about you? Fine. Thank you. My question is, what do you think about the Blackstone group? You know, this one, uh, Steph- Stephanie Link, who is my great friend, recommended in the 20s and the 30s and the 40s. And then it went all the way up to 60. It's come back down to 50. I want it lower. I think it can go lower. Let's go to Isaac in Maryland. Isaac. Jim, booyah from Maryland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, Jim, I wanted to hear your thoughts on ticker symbol CIM, especially since the book value for share is way above the I don't trust market. the book. I don't trust the book value. I don't trust the stock. I don't want you to own it. Okay? I know it's down a lot. I want you to own it. Go to Spencer, please, in Washington. Spencer. Yeah, hi, Jim. I'm Big Booyah. Happy Friday. Oh, I know. Wow. Happy Friday to you. Yeah, I'm interested in your views on Copart. Yeah, I like the salvage vehicle business. We recommended this talk many, many years ago. I think it's still good to go. How about Jacob in Michigan? Jacob. Hey, what's going on, Jim? Not much. How about you? What's up, Jimbo? I'm doing all right, man. How about yourself? Well, I'm glad it's Friday. How about that? Yeah, buddy. Uh, I got a question. Uh, El Dorado Resort. What are your thoughts? No, I mean, look, it's just the look. The pandemic is the the pandemic is just a game changer for certain companies that just had very big moves up on short squeezes today. I mean, this week that should not have moved up. I don't want to own that stock. How about Scott in Florida, Scott? Hey, what do you think, Jim? I'm really getting excited about the uh, floors and decor stock. Well, I'd rather see you in Fortune Brands then, uh, FHBS, which is home and security, um, and I think has a more stable situation. Let's go to uh, Chris in Georgia. Chris. Hey, happy Friday, Jim. How are you, man? Uh, Good. Calling about Twilio. With everybody working remotely from home and a lot of people just not working, period, what, how do, well, I'm worried about Toyota. They report next week. I'm worried because they had a million small businesses, which were the greatest clients. But now small business is on life support. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Take control of your financial future with the new madmoney.cnbc.com. Kramer's exclusive CEO interviews, full episodes, analysis, even your own soundboard. 
plus special access to Mad Money 101 with rules and techniques to break down the market for all investors. The red flag that makes me drop a stock immediately is... It's everything you need right when you need it. The new madmoney.cnbc.com. talk about the triple A's. No, not batteries in the American Automobile Association. I mean, Amazon, AMD, and Apple. All three of these stocks have been hammered since they reported. That's confusing a lot of people. So I want to help you understand. First, Amazon, the A in FANG, reported blowout sales, but disappointing earnings. At first glance, it seemed like they just aren't making enough money on those sales. That's not it, though. Here's the thing. The weak earnings are kind of by design. Amazon could have racked up $4 billion in profit this quarter, but CEO Jeff Bezos said he decided to spend that money handling the pandemic. He wants to keep his workers safe and keep the platform reliable for everyone. As he explained, if you're a shareholder in Amazon, you may want to take a seat because we're not thinking small, end quote. Now, I think we've got to take them seriously. We had periods where Amazon was in investment mode and simply had to hang on until it was over. Once they finished spending, the company was able to pull out all the stops and make fortunes for shareholders. This time is different. Bezos isn't spending the money to make money. He's spending to deal with the pandemic. Maybe more workers get sick. Maybe you'll have to wait longer to get your packages. But Amazon will be more profitable. He's not doing that, though which is why he sounded so circumspect in his commentary. The revenues tell you that demand is off the charts, but there's one area that I was a bit disappointed with. It's Amazon Web Services, which only grew by 33%. Now, at a time when so many people are being forced to work remotely, I thought rapidly expanding cloud infrastructure business could do better than that. So did David uh, Faber this morning when we were going back and forth. Are they losing share to Microsoft's Azure? Maybe the Google Cloud run by that terrific new guy, Thomas Curian? Either way, let's not overthink it. Amazon's still too good to ignore. You need to treat this pullback as a buying opportunity, although I expect a several-day decline, especially as some weaker holders worry about a pending House investigation into Amazon from monopolistic praxis letter sent to uh, Jeff Bezos today by the House. Next day is Apple. Well, it's a quandary. Company reported a fabulous quarter. Then they gave no guidance. Future's too uncertain. When they refused to give us a forecast, the stock got hit in after-hours trading. And then it was decked earlier today and last night when President Trump's talking about uh, restarting the trade war with China. Bad timing. China is the only fully functioning economy in the world right now. If we're going to have a trade war, please, at least wait until America's up and running again. As for Apple, I think they're right to give no guidance. It's not necessarily a sign of impending weakness. It just represents an awareness that we live in a dicey time, and it's impossible to predict how this pandemic will play out. But is Apple worried about the future? No, no way. Companies don't boost their dividends and increase their buybacks when they're worried. Apple did both. When I spoke to Tim Cook, he confirmed to me that the shelter-in-place economy has actually been good for Apple. Because while Microsoft owns the enterprise, Apple owns the home. So as more people work from home, more business gets done on Apple's machines. More IT professionals who prefer Dell or HP loaded with Microsoft, hey, maybe they give way to Apple for the enterprise. At least they cooperate. If it weren't so near-term negative on the broader market, I'd tell you to buy Apple on Monday morning. The stock was rebounding before the trade war worries caused the market to get crushed today. After that, the downward pull of the S&P was just too strong to resist. So if you don't own Apple already, I say let's wait for a bit, at least, until the market gets, say, uh, less overbought. Still, my mantra on this one is exactly the same. Own it. Don't trade it. Don't sell it. Finally, there's AMD, and this is the easiest of the three. AMD had an amazing quarter with good demand in gaming, data centers, and laptops. I think the next quarter will be even better. 
The company was so confident that it guided for 25% growth. It didn't need to do that. It could have pulled its guidance. Given CEO Lisa Sue's track record, I'm betting that's a conservative forecast. Nevertheless, when the analysts put pen to paper, they decided it was a guide down. And then they postulated that AMD must be losing share to renewed Intel. Here's my take. Those analysts, wrong. AMD is doing extraordinarily well. It has fabulous chips in some of the strongest categories around. I'm betting things will only get better from here, which is why I think you can actually start buying AMD on Monday. The sell-off today was just too much. If it goes down even more, buy more. This is a terrific situation, and it's getting more terrific as it gets lower. Stick with Kramer. We put it on a show where we have three outstanding CEOs and three amazing companies. Three stocks that you can buy. Well, two were up today on a bad day. This is Seattle Genetics. It, it, is, it is for real. I mean, that's, a, that's two big drugs, two blockbusters maybe within a year's time. Clorox, well, do I really have to say anything about it? Try finding any of their products, right? And then, you know, Estee Lauder, think about that. It's the Zoom. It's Zoom that matters. I'm not going to... It was the selfie generation, now it's the Zoom generation. Like I said, there's always been market summer products. I find just for you right here on Man Money. I'm Jim Cramer, see Money. Markets are turmoil with Tyler Madison starts now. CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content, with access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences. The network and resources HR leaders need now. Apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com slash WEC.